We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Right back to it. Friday night with a hacksaw on WEEI. You know, you make one Steve Grogan reference and one Doug Flutie reference, and the glory days come cranking through. Jim Hackett, late night Friday night, Sports Radio WEEI. Jim and Joe sitting alongside, talking a lot about the big quarterback conversation. I'm calling it a competition, not a controversy, but a controversy could be brewing, and it could start as early as Sunday. Yeah, I think you need to put in like parentheses it's a competition, not a controversy for now. Yeah. Well, that's if you read the article, Joe, <laughs> and all you guys out there. Um, not yet is the word that I used. I, I think that's appropriate. Well, obviously, I think that because I wrote it, but not yet. However, however, the whole idea of bringing in him in the draft, I think, was about competition. It's exactly what's happening. I think it's playing out exactly to Darth Hoodie's master plan in the lab. That's Bill Belichick for those uh, late bloomers on the joke. And we'll see how it goes. But it's a big game on Sunday. I said at the top, we're an hour two now of the two-hour Friday night extravaganza. But at the top of the show, I talked about how there's only seven teams in the AFC over 500 right now. And the lowly Indianapolis Colts are 2-2-1 and at 500. Your Patriots or or the Browns are going to end up 3-3, most likely, unless there's a tie on Sunday. And the Patriots definitely have a path. First things first. The Browns are missing some key guys. The one advantage they have on you, we talked a little bit last hour, they've got four studs. They've got Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, who's out, Denzel Ward, out, and they've got Amari Cooper, who is a stud, but he's, he's defendable. He's defensible, so you can shut him down. Yeah, he's not in the tier of, like, Stephon Diggs or no. Tyreek Hill. No, he's not. He's, he, he has, he, he's kind of a, a body catcher, you know, so he, he tends to... If it's not a perfect pass, he can he can kind of kick it around a little bit between his hands and his chest, and I think Belichick has a solution for that. <clears throat> but beyond that, your construct with the Cleveland Browns is actually very similar. They are going to lean on their running backs. They've got Nick Chubb. You could have had him too, by the way. I, I don't know what well, I don't know what happened in that draft that Belichick saw Sony Michelle, who was definitely the beta to Nick Chubb at Georgia, and he took Michelle. But that's a, a story for another day. But you know, Nick Chubb is a vintage NFL running back. He has it all. He has it all, and the Browns have built that team to ride as far as Nick Chubb can take them. They have a little thunder and lightning, though, too. You know? Kareem Hunt is is a former lead back who could probably be a lead back in another team, and they use him really well. He's not just a third down back. He's their passing down back for sure, but he also is such a threat in the running game that he can be tough to stop. So they've got that one-two punch. Does that sound familiar, folks? Damian Harris is hurt, but the Patriots are led by their one-two punch when healthy. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson. And by the way, Ramondre Stevenson, 
is a one-two punch all by himself. He has it all. He's got that quick foot, that quick footwork. I love that. That little jump cut he does. Yeah, Rob Ninkovich was saying uh, at the beginning of the year that Stevenson could be one of the top running backs in the league. Yeah, and what did he need? He needed an opportunity to showcase it a little bit more than he's been able to. And he did it last week, and he's going to have to do it this week. So it's it's kind of old-school football mentality, but, you know, Bill Belichick's your coach and, and the czar of your football organization. You are built with a strong offensive line, not as strong as it's always been, but strong, solid, coming off their best week for sure. They look great. The line looked great last week. Um, so I'm, curi- I'm curious how they handle Miles Garrett. Because, you know, it, when you have Clowney there, Clowney's not like, he's not as good as Miles Garrett, but he's still a pretty good player. And that's like the one-two punch. Now that one of the punches is out, Clowney's like, out. That's, that means it's probably going to be more double teams uh, towards Miles Garrett, which could, you know, help the offensive line. Or depending on who's in at uh, tackle, he might just blow right over him. Interesting report today on that. Did you see that uh, Matthew Judon in practice was acting as Miles Garrett. He was operating as Miles Garrett in practice and he went head to head with Trent Brown to kind of get Trent Brown, you know, more ready for that style. Yeah, that'll that'll be a matchup to watch. I think that's gonna be fun. Miles Garrett against Trent Brown and then they'll probably put Cole Strange in there for a double team now and again. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And i, I I'm not so worried about um how the Patriots are going to handle the Browns on defense, you know, I mean, Garrett's a, he's a, he's a problem. Garrett Clowney and Denzel Ward collectively are a problem, but they don't have that dynamic. Bill Belichick has schemed against teams like that, that have multiple threats on defense. Many, 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 many times successfully. I think they can contain miles Garrett. What it's going to come down to is can the Patriots on defense, can you stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? Because if they're able to gain ground and do what they want and put Jacoby Brissett in a position where, like Bailey Zappi last week, he doesn't have to overthink it, that's your path to a loss. If you can put Jacoby Brissett in a position, not where just he has to win it, but when he has to do a little bit more than he wants to do, this is how I see it going. Is Remember the old Ben don't break? when your offensive play caller was once the defensive coordinator, that's what the Patriots' defense was known for. The old bend, don't break. From like 2012 through about 2016, that was kind of the the, the mentality of the defense. Once Brian Flory's got his, his fingers on this defense, they got a little bit more blitz happy, they got a little more aggressive, they're a little bit more fun to watch. But during the time when they beat Seattle in the Super Bowl up to the time that they came back against Atlanta and lost to the Eagles. The bend don't break defense was really what they were all about, particularly in that Super Bowl season loss to the Eagles. I mean, they gave up 51 points. They bent and they broke, unfortunately, in that game. But I think you could see a little bit of that, and I'm going to tell you why. It's Belichick's crafty. This is what I love about him. I killed him last week for what he did organizationally to completely disrupt, you know, the plan, you know, the lack of succession plan with McDaniels, the lack of aggressiveness to go after a guy like Billy O'Brien. I'd beat that dead horse like crazy, you know, the cost-efficient approach to your offense with Patricia and Judge, all that. And I think he deserves a lot of uh, 
criticism for that. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty about Belichick, the coach, in a game like this against a guy like Jacoby Brissett, this is what makes me love him. Because I'm thinking, what I'm not trying to read Bill Belichick's mind. Good luck on that. I'm not trying to insert myself. I'm just thinking about how he might approach it. And if you look at Jacoby Brissett's splits so far this year, Jacoby Brissett has been a pretty good first-half quarterback. He's got like a 109 rating in the first quarter. Then it dips to like around 90% in the second quarter. Then it keeps going down. <laughs> and by the fourth quarter, he's like rocking at like 43%. He's had a lot of trouble when the game has been on the line. So think that through. Could there be a path defensively? The old Ben don't break is like actually let Brissett get going a little bit so that you can focus on stopping Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt when he's in there. You probably will have more success with Chubb because he's a little bit more one-dimensional because Hunt can catch it out of the backfield. He can split him out, all that stuff. He can put him in the slot. Can't do that with Nick Chubb. So do you let Jacoby Brissett get a little bit of wind under his wings and then just as the moment comes, snatch it away from him. Show him something he hasn't seen. Unleash... Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar on a, on a blitz that he's never going to see. Disguise coverage. I think third down is going to be a real problem for Jacoby Brissett. And I wouldn't, if they can stop Chubb, focus on that and give Brissett a little bit. You might actually be able to mind screw him and Kevin Stefanski enough to think they can throw it. And that's the gotcha moment. Yeah, no doubt about it that the offense runs through Nick Chubb. So if like you take away that, you take away the offense. And it's not like Joe, Jacoby Brissett's like a total walkover as a backup. You no, know, he's a good he, player. Yeah, he's just a, but he's just a placeholder for Deshaun Watson. Yep. But still, you have to make it as uncomfortable as possible because we've seen it time and again that he can't win those big games, which is why he continues to bounce around the league. Yeah, look, he's a very serviceable quarterback. I wrote an article like two years ago when um, you know, before the whole Cam Newton thing and all the free agents that were out there. I said, look, a good bridge guy might be Brissett. He was, you know, he was a, I think Indy picked him up, but he was in between jobs at that point. Like, you know, knows the system, smart guy, tough guy, uh, but just doesn't have it. It comes for some people later. I, I think we know what he is. And I think Bill Belichick knows what he is. It's yeah, a, he's definitely a different player from when he was like a rookie yeah. at 16 while he was still moving around with like Brady and Garoppolo in that Atlanta Super Bowl review yeah. versus now. Yeah, he was a legs guy. He was he could do it with his legs. We've got uh, we got a call lined up here, Joe. What do we got? Yep, Joe's going to line him up. So, yeah, look at Brissett, I think, is a serviceable guy who can start for a team. He can have some success. Probably a mediocre record. Um, serviceable, durable, beatable, defensible. And when you're beatable and defensible and mediocre and average, <laughs> I think that plays right into Bill Belichick's hand. Let's see what Mike and Newton thinks. Mike. Alexa, volume down. Good evening, Mike. Hi, hey. What's up, Pat? Thanks oh. for the call. Let me make sure my phone's uh, the Alexa's off. Alexa, turn off. What are you... Sorry, I didn't want any feedback there. I was I got on quick. That's a first. And, All right, go ahead. What do you got? Uh, yeah, no, I was I was no really. I was thinking about the Pats game th- this coming weekend, and I just wanted to say, yeah, you're right with Zappy. Uh, and I think you know it's good that he's out there and with um, 
Jones healing, yeah, get him going for a few games and yeah. see what you got in the kid. Yeah, ride you know it out. What's the worst that What's the worst that could happen? You know what I mean? I don't think the fans really are that confident about this season anyway, and this just adds a new wrinkle in there. I 100%. wanted to say, uh, yeah, I wanted to say again, as I predicted, the uh, under with a lot of running the football. Oh, I remember I that. That's going to happen again. Yep, yep I think that's going to happen again this week. Cleveland loves to run the ball. They do, and it, I mean, I mean, it's going to be an old time, just you know, smash mouth football game. You know, it's going to be one in the trenches, um, and you know, Zappy, you know, he'll just be the game manager. You know, and they'll they'll take their shots when they have them. But I think that Isaiah Wynn did a great job last week, and, and I, I was saying, you know, who, if he starts versus Cannon, that's the way they're going to go, whether it's going to be a running attack now. Remember, Isaiah Wynn's from Georgia. Yeah. What does Georgia do? What they, does Georgia football do? They they certainly you know, don't throw it. <laughs> they, right. They're a running, since so Herschel Walker, they're a running college for sure. Yeah. Oh, God, that guy, yeah. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, Georgia in football, Georgia football in general, they run the heck out of the ball. That's yeah. what they do. Yeah. Isaiah Wynn, that's his strong suit. His strong suit is not protecting the quarterback on passing plays, and I think the Patriots should know that. But uh, I just wanted to say it's great to see him there, and then they had, they lined up Keenan as basically an extra offensive lineman or you know a jumbo tight end. Yeah. And when they do that, you know, remember they were doing that quite quite uh, successfully with Brady, the you know the uh, the wham blocks. Yeah. And, you yep. know, doing stunts. And I, I tell you what, it's going to be a running game for people like old-fashioned football this weekend, Jim. I think it's going to, it's going to be a very entertaining game because you're going to see who's the tougher team. Yeah, I think, as I said at the top, thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. I think, they're, I think they are uniquely similar in their construct other than the alpha players, of which 50% you're not going to see this week. So... I think Mike hit it on the head. I think it's smash mouth. I love the way the line played last week. I'd like to see Isaiah win, not get a penalty for once. Um, but Mike's right. He did play better. And if it's run-centric, they should be able to execute. So give your team and your defense and your coach an opportunity to get in Brissett's head. Stop, Chubb. I think you come home. More after that. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's a nice way to start up. That's Buffalo Tom, Joe. Good little 90s band. We're talking about quarterback controversies with Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones. In the mid-90s, when this song was hot, there was a pretty good controversy in Cleveland with the beloved son of Cleveland, Bernie Kozar and Vinny Testaverde. And who was at the hands of that one? Your own Bill Belichick. Ooh, he loves him some competition and controversy. Uh, I thought you were going to say like the the Cleveland franchise coming back to Cleveland. <laughs> oh, there was that too. That was a that was a you know it, people who when Belichick got hired that just like they kept hammering on that thirty eight and forty five thirty eight and forty five that was his record there. Such a myopic 
view of how that all played out because, I mean, he had the rug pulled out from him there, man. Art Modell, I mean, what a terrible, I must used a bad word there, what a terrible thing he did to that city at that time. Just ripped their soul out. You know what I mean? Ripped their soul out. And, you know, the core of that team were the Ravens, who were great for a long time. You know what I mean? It have been. They've been, they've been like a diet version of the Patriots in terms of their sustainability. Very hard to do in the NFL. I'll tell you, and, you know, they talked about during the Patriots' dynastic times, you know, of how the whole vision of the NFL was about parity, right? They finally got it. You only got seven teams over 500 in the AFC. This thing's open. I think the Patriots are a good, solid, when they're all functioning properly, when they're all healthy, good B-minus team. You know, B, B-minus team. That might be good enough. It might be good enough. You're two and three. You got a shot this week in Cleveland. Get to three and three. You got the Bears. I'm chalking that up for a win right now. Four and three. Two against the Jets. Jets are improving. They're tough. They've got want to. Part of me says logically you could split that, but I think they take those two. I think they annihilate Indianapolis, and I think they might get to seven and three. I wouldn't say annihilate Indianapolis, considering if Jonathan Taylor plays or not. If Jonathan I'd hold, Taylor, plays, I'd hold that one out yeah. more than I would like Chicago or any any other team. Yeah, I've just got I, I've got no respect for Matt Ryan, man. I, I've just I, he has ever since they ever since twenty eight three he is a different guy. You know, he got his soul destroyed, and he has never recovered. And I'm glad they got him because I don't like the Colts and I don't like Indianapolis and I don't like Jim Irsay. I don't like any of them. I didn't like Polian when he was there and the way he said Patriots and all that garbage. Screw them. And I didn't like Manning and I didn't like any of them. So, yeah, you're right, though. If Taylor comes back, you know, you saw he shredded him last year. I was on. I was in the studio looking at that screen with the very handsome Nick Fitzy Stevens and we were all psyched up. We were the pregame show for the, for the Pats Colts on a Saturday night. And boy, did they lay an egg. But I don't think you're going to see that. You might see that kind of running in terms of volume. Mike and Newton just mentioned it. Ground and pound. And it's not exciting. It'll be a lot more exciting than that purse swinger you saw last night on Thursday Night Football. I'll promise you that. Um, but I think the key is stop Nick Chubb. Stop Nick Chubb. Put Jacoby Brissett in a position where he has to do something out of his comfort zone. And that's a path to a victory. If you can get Jacoby Brissett a little comfortable and neutralize Nick Chubb, let's say you're having a little trouble stopping him, you have a little trouble with Kareem Hunt, you get them in throw mode, then Belichick does that magic, and I think he throws the whammy at him. He lets him eat some yardage. Eat, 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 eat. Keep going down the field. Ben, don't break. Bringing that philosophy back. And when it's time to break, I think Brissett will break. That's how I see it going. Well, you mentioned it like Brissett gets worse as the game goes on. So like a hundred percent. So I think like having a hot start is so important because like even though they shut out the Lions, it still took a little while for them to get things going. Like the the fumble return for Duggar really kickstarted things. Yes. Other than that, it was just like okay, six nothing entering like the mid second quarter. Yeah. No, if if their offense was functioning as we've seen the Patriots' offense function before. It could have very, very easily been a 40-point game. I mean, they got five field goals. You know what I mean? And, you know, Cleveland's a kind of team with Brissett at the helm and the fact that they like to chew the clock and they've got two alpha running backs and a limited passing game. 
that that five field goal approach, not that it's an approach, but the result of that, what you saw against the Lions could work against the Browns. What I would like to see, even with Bailey Zappi, is some red zone efficiency. Let's get seven. You know what I mean? I think he can do it. I know. I don't that. think just Zappi. I just think the whole offense in general needs to get a red. I'm zone just saying going. with him in there. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I would be. Let's say last week it was Mac. Would you have any doubt that they could get seven fifty percent of the time in the red zone this week? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, it's a question mark. I know we all have Zappy fever now. Is your Zappy fever as high as it was on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or is it started, like many fevers as it started to come down a little bit? Mine right, is, that's that's what I mentioned earlier about yeah. like, oh, the shiny new toy is in there. Yeah. Like, how long do you want to play with it until you get bored? Yeah, you've had six days to sober up, you know? And and uh, I'm not saying I don't like what I see. I love what I see. And I'll say another thing, too. It was so miserable here for in July with the Red Sox and July with the reports coming out of the training camp that they looked disjointed, that the line wasn't holding their blocks, that they couldn't get you know, on the outside and do this stretch run thing that the, 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 the Shanahan model, it was pretty negative. Then you get to preseason, you're a little bit hopeful, you're cracking a beer and you're watching it and it didn't look so good and you never, you rarely saw Mac and when he was out there, he didn't look good. Zappy was the one guy who looked good. And I was talking to a friend of mine before the season started and she said, like, I really want to see Bailey Zappy. And I'm like, that's kind of pink hat stuff. But then it happened. You know what I mean? And, and, and we just had a conversation recently here in the office and it has injected a little bit of excitement in an otherwise kind of down few months in, in with the Patriots, the feeling around the team. You know I what think, I mean? I think that's why last week was like so excited. I don't think it was more so like the throwback or whatever. It's just like it feels like a new energy yeah. or whatever, considering what Zappy did when he came in for Hoyer against Green Bay. Like yeah. there's some they they have to find some reason to be optimistic. And that's Mac Jones that's Mac Jones's second biggest enemy. The biggest enemy is time. If this kid keeps playing well, am I going to force myself out there when I'm not ready? If I don't get out there soon enough, could I lose this thing? That's the biggest one. The second one is the feeling. The feeling in the crowd as fans or how you feel when you're watching the game. He can't control that. And by the way, we can't control that. <laughs> you know, we're emotional as sports fans. But if they start feeling it in that locker room, on that sideline, and in that huddle, that's when you have a controversy. That's when it happens. And the more he's on the field and the more success he has, and the longer the injury lingers, the higher the probability. Now, what you hope if you're in the Mac Jones court, and I like them both. I just want a fair fight, and I want Jones to get back healthy so we can see a healthy competition and remind ourselves what he did look like when he was at his best because he was pretty darn good. Give it a fair shot. You know what I mean? But if you get those good vibes, you beat Cleveland, you beat Chicago, you beat the Jets, you beat Indy, he heals up, and it looks a little bit like it did against the Ravens or the Dolphins or even the Steelers that they won, mm. then you have a problem. Yeah, I think it would be ideal for Mac if he can, to come back before the Buffalo game after the bye week. Because yeah. all of those are like winnable games. Buffalo is like 
you know, at the beginning of the year, we said like, oh, the the Bills, the Cardinals, Raiders, Bengals, that's a really tough schedule. Now you look at that stretch, the Bills are the only team where you say, yeah, we got no chance. Yeah, I said that last hour, and I meant it. Like, So when you look at that, so let's, let's dig into that a little bit, to Joe. It's a good point. Um, first of all, let's date back to the injury, okay? That was against the Ravens, week three. High ankle sprain, best case, which never happens. Unless it's like one of these offensive linemen who are just like ridiculous, shoot up a Toradol, tape me up, and I'll get out there. God bless them. Three to six weeks. This will be the end of week three. Next week, you got a cupcake against the Bears. That's the end of week four. So I'm thinking week five. I'm thinking week five. That's a nice, you know, that gives that gives you a little time for Mac enough to heal, hopefully. A good sample size of Bailey Zappi, and then let the games begin. We got Paul online. We'll let the game let Paul get kind of uh, geared up with Joe. But this Browns game is the stepping stone. This is where it all starts. Building off of the Lions win last week, two in a row. Bears could be three in a row. At that point, Mac Jones is five weeks removed from his the onset of his high ankle sprain. I think you have three wins by that point in a row. Lions, Browns, Bears. You got the one against the Steelers. You're four and three. Max five weeks past his injury on something that was forecasted three to six. That's when the controversy begins. As I wrote in my article, quarterback controversy, no. Competition, yes. By week seven, eight, yeah. You could have something if uh, if Bailey Zappi's out there and continues to win. As it relates to this week, probably less Bailey Zappi needed. We'll see. Let's see what Paul and Westfield thinks. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, Jimmy Hackett. Hey, thanks for joining the show. Yes, sir. You're not related to Hacksaw Jim Duggan, are you? <laughs> That's my namesake. I was a uh, a less than mediocre wrestler in high school, and Jim Duggan was the was the man. That's how that's how the nickname came about. That's awesome. I, I, uh, we were state champs my sophomore year at Cathedral. We uh, were really fun with it up here. It was a big part of my life. So, so hey, let me ask you something, Mister Hackett or Professor Hackett. You, yeah. Um, you tend to let facts get in the way. So, just to open the conversation, I would say that um, when you look at the styles of Zappy versus uh, Mackey. Uh, Zappi is shorter and actually delivers quicker yeah. to the secondary. He can carve up, take advantage of his own gaps. And then Mac has the long ball, which for them is a big game, but it created his number one turnover uh, in the league. So maybe the styles have a, a what you call a contradicting form, which is why he's had – honestly, who would have thought he took Green Bay to overtime with no real snaps? That was, a, that was either a fluke, we'll see who keeps going, and then uh, Detroit, you know, scores the most of anyone in the league, 35 points, and our defense shut them out, which is insane. So there was some kind of Bermuda Triangle advantage he had without hmm. pressure. The yeah. fact that he only had one touchdown in the red zone, I'm concerned about that. You know, that's what I would wonder at first. Yeah, concerned but not surprised, right? You've A third stringer, a rookie. I'm not surprised to see them not punch it in. You know what I mean? Now, against the Lions, when they started to lose momentum, I mean, the Lions you know, started to lose, like, emotional you know, momentum, and you know, they were ready to kind of tag out. I would like to see yeah. him punch it in you know, one more time. But you know, that will come. 
But I think you bring up some good points. You know, you know, Mac Mac's strength and Zappy's strengths, I think, are pretty similar. Um, I think Mac can get a little more air under the ball on, on the deep ball. But what where where the problem has been, and I said this at the top, Paul, is what percentage of it is bad decisions versus bad throws versus trying to do something that might not be quite what his strength is. And I, I think it's like a 33-33-33 split on that. Um, and good. You're you're right, and it's just called a hundred percent of the time when you're going twice the coverage and twice the length, you create twice the possibility for them to pick the ball off. Uh, some uh, quarterbacks can have to throw it past the guy, or they're always going to get picked off. And then the guy in the wrong spot. I remember more than once where they had miscommunicated because. It's a new group working together at the beginning of the season, yeah. and then the guy's in the wrong spot, and the interception occurs, or it tips off Aguilera's hands. So a lot of the interceptions aren't directly Max Paul. I don't know the percentage of that, uh, sir, but that would be key, a question, because if it's uh, their fault and we fix that, suddenly Max not number one in interceptions. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it, Paul, is uh, it's a good point that you bring up. I think that uh, you know Joe hit it at the beginning of the show, which I which I which I liked. Um, in that September, historically has always has always um, you know been kind of a work in progress for the Patriots offense, um, trying some things out. I think they were trying some things out. We we have the we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back a little bit now. When they rolled out that first possession in Miami, did it not look like the Patriots offense that we've gotten used to? It did. It looked like the Patriots offense from Brady to Mac, other than Newton, from Brady to Mac Jones to 2022 with Mac Jones in Miami. Which I think that's part of the initial shock because the talk was about, oh, they're putting in this new offense. Yeah, the stretch right? run. It looks like the same offense that we've seen for 20 right. years. I think they were trying things out. And I think if you can look at this with some sobriety, now that, again, six days removed from the googly eyes that we have with Bailey Zappi and a 29-0 win against Detroit on Sunday and a great, really, I mean, truly, if you think about a rookie third stringer going into Lambeau Field. It was a great game to watch and a great performance by him. It's a scale. I'm not saying it was a great quarterback performance in, in the annals of history, but I'm just saying, you know, good for him. The situational the standpoint situa- was one of yeah, was up there. Yeah, 100%. And so you have that, that excited feeling, an excitable feeling with that. But now, you know, you've had a little time to sober up. You know, and I think if we look at it with a sober lens, as Paul said, I let's get facts to get in the way sometimes. But like, if you look at it in a sober lens, you can kind of put it all together, can't you? That they were trying some different things out in training camp. Some of it not working so well with the you know the 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 the, the runs that they were trying on the outside, um, the pushing the ball down the field. They looked pretty good at that with Tyquan Thornton, but then he broke his collarbone. So now you're going for these 50-50 grabs. Look at that stuff wasn't working well. Mac didn't handle it well. He didn't process it well, make good decisions. Now he's hurt. Sit and watch. Simplify the offense and let it, let it kind of happen. Let it come to a boil with Zappy. And then, then you might have a controversy that comes to a boil. We'll see where it goes. Final segment of Late Night Friday Night with Jim Hackett coming up after this. <laughs> All 
All right, welcome back. Final segment of WEI Late Night with Jim Hackett on a Friday night. Talking a lot of Patriots. Pats, Browns on Sunday. It's a big one, guys. Chance to get to 3-3. Three and three. Only seven teams in the AFC or a record over 500. So, you know. There's, there's going to be a lot of running. Be a, lot a lot of running. running. Running down a dream there, Joe. I'm picking up what you're paying down. I, 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 I like your uh, style in that booth, and it, it matches my musical taste. By the way, the texts have been flying in at seven uh, at 37937, and, and one was a request, and that came from... Uh, from Pete and Pembroke who wanted to hear Buffalo Tom, so we gave him that. We'll do some requests here. It's Friday night. Play a little rock and roll or rap, whatever you like. And uh, a lot of questions about Nick Chubb and Ramondre Stevenson coming in. And really, that's what the game's going to boil down to, to me. One of the texts from 603, Joe, apparently we're huge in New Hampshire, was asking about, you know, do we think that Ramondre Stevenson could be a bell cow back? I absolutely do. The only reason I would say the 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 likelihood is that he's not a bell cow back. It's just that there aren't a lot of bell cow backs anymore. Even Najee Harris in Pittsburgh, who would get like 25 carries a game, or or uh, Alvin Kamara, who would get maybe 16 carries and 10 you know targets. Uh, that's changing, you know, in Pittsburgh. Part of it's because Najee Harris is hurt, and they've got a, a young rookie, um, Jalen Warren, I think his name is. They want to get some carries too, but. Stevenson definitely has that skill set. What what I love about him is you don't have to take him off the field in any offensive play you want to run. You want to run between the tackles? He can do that. You want to run off tackle? He can do that. You want to split him outside and run a sweep? You know, he can do that. I think the other thing too is he's playing with Damian Harris and Harris is a good running back as well. He's not like the elite level. He's a very good running back. Yeah, rock solid. Yeah, you're not just going to leave Damian Harris on the bench with his kind of talent as a running back. That's where I was going. But uh, just back to like any any play you want to call, right? You're in passing formation. He can, you know, you can do that uh, that wheel route. Remember that nice catch, the first catch he had last year. He took it about 20 yards down the right sideline. Mack hit him on a beautiful throw. That's the classic throw. wheel route by, that we've seen for many running backs. Yeah, and he did it He did it beautifully. And, you know, he can get out in space, too. So he's got it all. But you just hit it. You kind of uh, you kind of punked me there. But it, the problem is, is the presence. It's not a problem. It's a good problem. Is the presence of Damian Harris because that's a great one-two punch. And if you don't have to rely on a running back in 2022, for 25 carries and five targets, you probably don't want to because the game is so fast. The defenders are getting bigger and stronger, quicker, uh, and as protective, overly protective, shockingly protective, mistakenly protective as the league has become in how defenders try to play defense against quarterbacks, it ain't so kind to receivers and running backs. You know what I mean? So probably for protective measures... You know, you. I think. I, I think the balance could change. You know what I mean. So if it's been, if it was once seventy thirty, and it's probably closer to sixty forty, fifty five forty five. Now you got you know a couple of weeks here with Stevenson's going to get all of it. Those scales could tip because it's no offense to Damian Harris, who I like. I mean, I've got him as a fantasy asset in dynasty leagues. I love Harris. Stevenson gives you more. He's got more quicks. He's a little more clever of a runner. I think his vision's fantastic. He's got great hands, got great footwork, um, and I think both have great utility in this team, particularly with its construct. 
I think with, also with Stevenson is like you have more of a chance for an explosive play. Yeah. As with Damian Great Harris, point. you're looking to just like maybe like if you need to like melt the clock. Yeah. Or you want to prolong a drive. Yeah. That's the difference between those two. Great but they're point. both assets. Great point. I will say this though. I think Harris's contract is coming up soon. Is this the last year of his deal, or is next year the last year of his deal? Like that's one that's I think is is ending. And if that's the case, then yeah, then I think Stevenson will be your bell cow. You you could see you could see him a lot. And what would be smart would be to have like a little thunder and lightning because he's as quick as he is and as great a footwork and vision as he has. He is a big back. So maybe there's an opportunity for a guy like Pierre Strong or a guy like J.J. Taylor. I'd love to see him get a shot. Yeah, Damian, Damian Harris is going to be an unrestricted free agent in uh, 2023. Okay. Well, there you go. So, you know, maybe. You know, and Stevenson's a little younger. So that that helps as well. So I think there is opportunity uh, for the 603 text that was asking for that. And I like the player. I mean, you know, how often have you said, how, how often have you heard, I'll leave you with this. How often have you heard Bill Belichick espouse the word love to a current player. Not many. Once. It just happened this week. said, I love him, about Ramondre Stevenson. And, you know, when Brewski retired, he waxed poetic. He said he was a perfect player. When Troy Brown retired, he waxed poetic. When Brady left town a couple years later, he begrudgingly said he was great, and then he kept him in the same sentence as Matthew Slater. <laughs> Which, he just can't, he just can't do it. Maybe like 50 years from now. The Belichick doesn't have 50 years to live anymore. Maybe 10 years from now. Let's see. But anyway, but you don't usually hear Bill Belichick drop the L-bomb on a current player. When I say you don't usually, I mean every comment about every player that's ever happened ever up until Wednesday. We dropped the album on Ramondre Stevenson, and I think he does love the player. And uh, you know, people soften as they get older; the emotions start to creep up. Maybe that's happening a little bit to Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick. I wouldn't hold out. Uh, I wouldn't like you know wait on the edge of a cliff for it to happen because you probably fall off before it happens. But interesting times, big game. I'm taking the Pats twenty to sixteen on Sunday. Twenty to sixteen. More field goals. Hoping for a couple touchdowns on offense. We'll see what happens. Thanks for tuning in. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.